welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, come on, are you glad you made it to church this weekend? Come on, let's give Jesus some praise for what he's doing in our church. I want to welcome everybody that's watching online. Uh, I want to extend a special welcome to people that are watching for the first time at River Valley in the metaverse. Can we welcome them that are watching right now? Some of you are like, the meta who? All I'll say is that there, is, there are places in the world, in the digital sphere that people are, and I think the church needs to be there as well. So we welcome you. So glad that you are joining us. Uh, I'm thrilled to be sharing this weekend as we wrap up uh, a three-week series of messages that are inspired by songs that have come out of this house for our church and for the church at large. But before I jump into this message around the song that we were just singing, Desperate Heart, uh, I want to just reiterate some exciting things that I would like you to be praying about. Can you, can you pray with me about some exciting things? And uh, some of you know, we've already been talking about it, but our Maple Grove campus launches this weekend. Come on, can we celebrate new campuses, new ground, new people finding Jesus? And uh, Easter is just uh, two weeks. I looked at the calendar. Am I, am I correct that it's two weeks away? Is that, is that accurate? Two weeks away. So... Uh, That is not something just to mark your calendars with, but that is something for you to be praying about. God, who am I going to bring with me to Easter services? Uh, Be praying about it. You have the invite cards. Those are not just for you, for your fridge, but they are for your neighbors to have, to see what's happening in, in, uh, in our church, what time services are. So make sure you share those. Bring somebody to church with you on Easter weekend. Uh, I love this series that we've been in talking about these songs and uh, these, these uh, songs that were written by our worship team. Do we not have the greatest worship team on the planet? I think they're incredible and what God is doing is amazing. The first week, uh, Pastor Kirk preached the message Sunrise and uh, that was uh, an encouraging message that, that the sun is going to rise no matter how dark the season seems. Last week, Pastor Rob uh, preached a message on east to west, that God has sent our sins as far as the east is from the west. And I believe many people found freedom, healing from that message. And this week I'm finishing off uh, a message called Desperate Heart. And it's from the New Ages album that just was released. And I don't know if you've been listening to it, but my family and I, we've been listening to it. And I know that uh, with the songs coming out of the next generation of our church, the future is bright. Come on, does anybody believe that? The future's bright for our church, for our young people. We're going to be in the text in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. So you can go in your Bible to Luke chapter 19. And I'm just going to read the words from the chorus of this song as you uh, find your way to Luke chapter 19. I want to be set apart. Give me a desperate Heart, because all I want is all you are. I want to live every day where every breath brings you praise. Let my life say, your will, your way. Now let's go to Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. 
He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. (laughs) We've got some church people in the room today, praise God. You know, I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but if you were to refer to me as a wee little man, you'd be missing some teeth, my friend, okay? (laughs) His name was Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. That's much more respectful. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass by that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Us Midwestern people, somebody unannounced showing up to our house, that makes us sweat a little bit. Showing up, I'm going to hang out at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. This is an incredible verse, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The title of the message, pretty simple, Desperate Heart. Desperate Heart. If you're taking notes, you should write that down. I'm going to pray Ask God to align our heart with his, align our focus with his. We're going to jump into this message. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for these times where we get to gather and magnify your name in our lives. And I pray now as we open up your word, would you open up our ears to hear from heaven and open up our hearts to respond in obedience. We love you, Jesus. Be glorified today, and it's in your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, the word desperation, like many words in the English language, uh, has, has many different degrees of meaning. Uh, desperation can mean a lot of different things. Uh, I, maybe if, if you're in a, a dating season of your life and some of your friends are in a dating season of your life, you've looked at one of your friends or one of your friends has looked at you and said, oof, they are desperate. Uh, it has some different meanings. Uh, there's the, there's the, the desperation, and if you're in that place, we're believing that God is going to provide for you, the right person, the right person. I think about desperation, uh, when I think about it, I think about my children around bedtime. They have a desperation to not go to bed. It's almost as if they forgot that this happens every single night, specifically my son, Tuck, every night. <laughs> we say, all right, buddy, time to get ready for bed, and he goes, every night, what? <laughs> like, we just did this just last night, man. Like, we do this. What do you mean? We have to go to bed? Like, it's just this desperation. And it's like they forget. They fight then to not brush their teeth. 
He was exhausted, falling asleep at dinner, but now he's running laps around the house. He's got more energy than I've ever seen in him. He's desperate to not go to bed. Desperation has different degrees of meaning. But then there's the desperation for some divine intervention in our lives. It's amazing how you can, you can talk about desperation in a joking manner, and then you can be desperate for God to move in your life. And that is the desperation that we see in Luke chapter 19, that Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus. The context of Luke chapter 19, Jesus has walked into Jericho, and he's just healed a blind man. So no doubt, there's kind of a, a crowd following as he's walking, he just healed somebody, and he, he's walking through Jericho, and this crowd has gotten quite large. Now, Jericho is a, uh, a beautiful city. Jericho is one of the wealthiest cities in all of Palestine. It's a significant place of trade, of, of commerce, of business, and it sits along one of the main travel and trade corridors. So not only is it a beautiful place, but it's a busy place. And it's a large place. There's a lot of people there. There's a lot happening right there in this moment. If you could picture with me uh, one, uh, one of the palaces of the, the, the Herodian family. If you think of Herod, the different kings of uh, Herod that, that were in rule for about 167 years... Uh, they didn't do a lot of great things for God's people. You know, you think about when uh, Jesus was born and they were trying to kill all the babies, that was Herod. Think about John the Baptist being beheaded, that was Herod. And this family of leaders for 167 years that brought Roman rule and oppression into this land, there was a palace in Jericho for this family. So no doubt the people of God, when they were there, yes, they lived in a beautiful city, but everywhere they looked was a reminder of the Roman oppression and rule on their life. Why is that significant? Because all of that was paid for by tax dollars. And who did all of that ta tax money funnel through and go to? Our boy Zacchaeus. All of this money ran to him. And he was a chief tax collector, a tax commissioner, which means that he had employees underneath him that were collecting taxes, and their income was going also to him and threw him up into the government. So he was rich. It was like a Roman a oppression pyramid scheme, and he was at the tippy top of the pyramid. So no doubt he was despised by God's people. He was despised by Jewish people. He was considered in his own class of sinner. That when, when the Bible refers to people that are living in sin, it refers to them as tax collectors and sinners. It's kind of like he's in his own league of being a sinner, his own league of being dirty, his own league of being untouchable. He couldn't go to synagogue. He couldn't go into the house of any self-respecting Jew, and no self-respecting Jewish person would go into his house. He was an outcast, a reject. He was the worst of the worst. And here's what's interesting is that Zacchaeus' name in Hebrew means clean, innocent, pure, and righteous. So Zacchaeus didn't desire to see Jesus because Jesus was popular and was attracting a crowd. I believe that Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus because Zacchaeus knew who he truly was. And he knew exactly what and who he truly needed. In fact, Eugene Peterson writes in the message in Luke chapter 19 that Zacchaeus desperately 
wanted to see Jesus. And point number one is this. Desire is not desperation. Desire is not desperation. The word desire means a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. Where desperation's definition is a state of despair, typically one which results in extreme behavior. I want to ask you this question today. Are you desperate for Jesus or do you just desire him? Psalm 42, verse 1 through 3, we get a glimpse of King David's desperation for God. It says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Did anybody grow up singing the song, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee? Typically there might have been a scene on like a coffee cup with a doe and a fawn. The fawn was probably spotted and they were like, just real pleasantly in the forest. And it was just a really nice picture. But that is not what's happening in Scripture. David is comparing his longing desperation for God with an animal that is dehydrated on the brink of death. He's saying, God, where are you? I'm desperate for you. I need you. I'm going to die without you. The only thirst, the only thing that's Quenching my thirst is my tears and my anguish. There's a desperation for God. And if you were to check the temperature of your longing for Jesus, would you find that you are desperate for Jesus or do you simply just desire Jesus? Like a little baby fawn might desire some water. Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus, but he couldn't see him. He couldn't see him. On account of the crowd, he couldn't see him. And rather than getting frustrated and posting on Instagram about the crowd of followers of Jesus, and rather than getting bitter about it and, and, and just burying it deep and taking it out on someone else later, what does he do? He says, it's all good. I'm shorter. This happens to me all the time. I'm going to run ahead. I'm going to pass the crowd. I'm going to climb up a tree, and I'm going to wait because I know that Jesus is going to pass this way. He takes some initiative. He takes some action. And point number two is this. Desperation demands action. Desperation demands action. He wasn't satisfied hearing about Jesus from the crowd. He wasn't satisfied hearing about what Jesus was doing on Instagram or on Twitter or on a podcast or on a documentary. He wasn't satisfied With that, he knew that there was something much deeper and greater. He was desperate and was going to do whatever it took to see Jesus. And he wasn't afraid of being inconvenienced. It's not convenient to run as a shorter person. Our legs have to move a lot faster. But he wasn't afraid of being inconvenienced, sitting in a tree and waiting. And here's here's the the truth about our lives as believers, is that we are not people of convenience. We are people of conviction. Convenience and comfort does not rule our life. Conviction does. We are people of action, not people of 
apathy. And we need to take initiative to get in the presence of Jesus. I, I have a pretty strict routine in the morning where I have to wake up early. And it's my time to kind of center my spirit uh, with God's word, worship, quick little workout, just, just setting my mind right. And this is me inconveniencing myself, living in conviction, trying to just get in the presence of God. But the other day, I was laying in bed and my alarm went off, and wouldn't you know it, the most peaceful sound of rain was falling on my roof. You know the sound, a little pitter, a little patter. It's hard to wake up when that happens, and I wish I could tell you that I just got out of bed, but I sure did not. I turned that alarm right off, and I said, I'm going to enjoy this pitter-patter. What happened? I was living in convenience. It was comfortable. My bed, your bed is so much more cozy in the morning than it is at night. I was living in Convenience. That's not what God has asked us to do. Psalm 27, verse 8 says, You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. He says, Seek my face, not my comfort. Seek my face, not just other crowd and followers. Seek my face. This is what God is asking us to do. Seeing how others see Jesus is not enough. It's not the relationship that God intended to have with you. If it's not enough for him, it's definitely not enough for you. We need to seek the face of Jesus. He was desperate to see Jesus. But on account of the crowd, he could not. On account of the crowd, he could not. On account of the crowd following Jesus, Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus. And can I just say, let us not be a crowd of followers of Jesus that hinders other people from seeing Jesus. What life in Christ are you showing other people that want to see Jesus? Are you showing them that you can still live the way that you want to live, make the decisions with your money the way you want to make your decisions, talk to your wife the way that you want to talk to your wife, handle your kids the way that you want to handle your kids? Or are you showing them a transformed life that's allowing to bring them in, into the presence of God. We are people of conviction, people of action, not people that make it difficult for others to see Jesus. And let me just say this from uh, the, the perspective of Zacchaeus. I would challenge you to be like Zacchaeus, to inconvenience yourself and get into the presence of God. Get some healing. If that means that you need to wake up early or stay up late, get in the word and worship at home, not just here on the weekends. If you have hurts from things that have happened in your life in church, don't just bury it deep or just talk to other people about it. Talk to the person. If it's a pastor, send me an email and let's sit down and have some coffee and let's talk about some of these things. Forgive people that have hurt you. Extend grace to people who just like you are in process. Get desperate and take action. But here's the thing about desperation. Point number three is this. Desperation must be fed. Desperation must be fed. It's easy to be desperate when you're in an ex a season of extreme need. Just this last spring and summer, we were in a season of extreme need with our daughter, Winnie. 
In the spring, she was uh, dealing with real spiritual warfare. She would tell us that the devil was telling her to think certain thoughts and, and, and say certain things and believe a certain way. We had to take action as parents. We got desperate as parents. We gathered the elders of the church to lay hands on our daughter and pray and teaching her what a life following Jesus looks like. What do we confess as Christians over ourselves? Who are we and whose are we? It wasn't long after that. In the summer, we found a mass in her cheek. We ended up spending uh, a night in the hospital and, and, and we were in, in, in hospital visits and doctor's visits. She went under anesthesia like three different times. And as a parent, we were, we were, we were desperate as parents. And man, it, it changed the way that we lived our lives. We would go into their room at night and we would just get on our knees and cry out to God while they were sleeping. God, do a miracle. I'm desperate for a touch from you. In the hospital room, I'm on my knees Nurses are tripping over me, and I'm just sorry I can't help it. I'm desperate for God to do a miracle, and God did a miracle. It's amazing. Praise the Lord, but it wasn't but a week after that, putting our daughter to bed thinking, let's speed this thing up. We got some Downton to watch. We can have her say her confessions about who she is and whose she is in Christ tomorrow night. Nah, she's fine. Suddenly, in just a week's time, I had completely lost my absolute desperation for God to move in my life. How do we feed our desperation? Real quick, real quick, three different ways to feed your desperation. Stay thirsty, stay thirsty. Jesus says, I'm going to bring you living water. Um, The staff makes fun of me because I carry around a 48-ounce water bottle all the time. In fact, I sat down in a meeting with Pastor Rob, and I set the water bottle down. He said, how many of those do you drink a day? I said, at least three. He said, that cannot be good for you. (laughs) But do you know what I found? The more water I drink, the more water I want. The more water I'm drinking, the the more my body receives what it really needs, which is some water. The more my body wants water. So you better stay in the presence of the one who gives you living water and stay thirsty. You'd never have enough. Every time you leave reading the word or leave a time of worship, you should be saying to yourself, oh, I wish I could just stay and drink a little more. Spend a little more time. Stay thirsty. Number two is this. How do we feed our desperation? Eat clean. I know that these are all physical things, but track with me. Eat clean. How many of you have ever tried to clean up your diet before? Nobody, everybody's doing great, awesome, praise the Lord. Real fit community here. (laughs) The moment you start eating clean, it's difficult to keep eating clean, but if you've been eating clean for some time, those Sour Patch Kids just don't taste the same. They're not quite as good. Some of you are like, I beg to differ. But the more you feed your body the right things, the more your body just wants the right things and it doesn't like so much the way that it feels after it has the things that it shouldn't have. My question to you is what does your spiritual diet look like? What are you feeding yourself spiritually? We need to eat clean, allow our spirits to be fed on the water and the bread of life. And the third thing is this, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Your desperation is like your destination in your GPS. And if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, being desperate for Jesus, 
It doesn't matter which way you go or if you fall or, 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 or maybe you, 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 you mess up here too often. We then get our eyes fixed on ourselves. But if we have our desperation on Jesus, our eyes fixed on Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to pick us up and reroute us. Pick us up and reroute us. My wife doesn't trust the GPS, but I tell you what, I need it because I'm taking wrong turns way too often. And I need somebody to tell me, hey, keep your, this is where you're going. We're going to get there together. Our desperation must be fed. So Jesus gets to Zacchaeus, and he says to him, come down. I'm going to your house today. There's not much else that we know about this interaction with Zacchaeus and Jesus. We do know that Zacchaeus' heart was changed and transformed. And number four is this. Desperation causes a reaction. Be careful what you are desperate for because you might just get what you want. You might just get what you want. Newton's third law says this. For every action, there is an equal and opposite. That's right. The world calls it Newton's law. We just call it James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he's going to draw near to you. There's a reaction that happens. All throughout scripture, we see reactions of people that encounter the truth, that encounter God's presence in a real way, that encounter Jesus. One of my favorites is David. David is known after a, as a man after God's own heart. And I believe this, that it's not because he killed Goliath, not because he was a king, not because he killed his tens of thousands, but because in the face of encountering the truth, he had the right response and the right spiritual reaction. After he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband murdered, he was confronted with the truth of what he had done by the prophet. And he was the king. The prophet went to him and said, you're the man that did this. And his response was a response and a reaction of coming face to face with the truth. It says this in in, in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. This is his response to being confronted with the truth. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will return to you. That is a desperate heart. That after a lot of scheming and planning to do the wrong thing. Came face to face with the truth. 
and a heart was changed and transformed. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you encounter the truth, it changes the way that you live your life. This is the reaction of desperation after Jesus. He gives back half of his possessions, repays people four times over, people that he's wronged. It's like what Pastor Rob says all the time, a heart that is touched by God responds in obedience. N.T. Wright says this about this interaction. He says, today I must stay at your house became Today, salvation comes to this house. Where Jesus is, there salvation is to be found for those who accept him as master and reorder their lives accordingly. My final point, point number five, is this. Desperation begins and ends with Jesus. Desperation begins and ends with Jesus. While Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus said, I'm I'm seeking to see him in the final verse, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And since the garden, when God said to Adam, where are you until right now, God has been doing his work of seeking his lost children. This is who our God is. This is what our God does. And even though we might be desperate to seek him, he is all that much more desperate to seek and to find his children. It says this in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 16, I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. Jesus says today salvation comes to this house. The word that's used for today is a word that implies a divine necessity. Meaning that today is not just today on a calendar for Zacchaeus. But when Jesus said it to him, it was today as in since the foundations of the earth, today was planned for you. Salvation was supposed to come to this house. And I believe the same is true for you today, whether you're in the room or you're watching online. Today is your day of salvation for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Many of you might be seeking for something in your life, desperate for something in your life. And you may be wondering what it is, how to find it, where do I go, what is it that I'm actually looking for? And I tell you right now that what you're looking for can only be found in Jesus. The wholeness that you're trying to find can only be found in Jesus. The completeness that, you can only, that you're looking for can only be found in Jesus. The security that you're looking for Is not going to be found in another person, but it's going to be found in Jesus. Not another relationship, not another pay raise, but only Jesus can satisfy the need and the desperation that you have in your spirit. 
And he's been seeking you. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And today is your day to receive that. Here's what we believe, that because of our sin, we have actually separated ourselves from God. And there's no amount of, of good works, church attendance, things that we could attain and achieve to get back into right relationship with God. But God loved us so much. And he sought after us by sending his son Jesus to live a life that we could not live, a sinless life. On our behalf. And he died a death and paid a price that we deserved to pay. A death that we deserved to die. So that we could spend eternity with him. This is the extent of his seeking of you. And we believe what scripture says. That when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you become a brand new creation. The old things of your life have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. This is what happens when you encounter Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. Romans chapter 10 says, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is your moment. Today is the day of salvation. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, to stop seeking that satisfaction in anywhere else other than Jesus, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to slip your hand up. No one's going to call you out or embarrass you. But this is believing in your heart, and then we're all going to pray together. If that's you. You want to stop seeking everywhere else and start a relationship with Jesus, today's your day. One, two, three. Slip your hand up right where you are. Yes. 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 Anybody else? You want to make a decision to follow Jesus? Yes. That's believing in your heart. That's believing in your heart. Now we're all, everybody in this room, and if you're watching online, this is for you too. We're going to confess with our mouth by just repeating a simple prayer after me. Pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've fallen short. Please forgive me. Today I receive your gift, the free gift of salvation. Jesus, you are my Lord, and you are my Savior. And today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we stand to our feet and celebrate people making a decision to follow Jesus, to make him Lord and Savior. Whether you're in the room or watching online and you made that decision, we want to walk with you on this journey that you are now on following Jesus. And the best next step for you is to text now what to the number 94,000. When you text that, it will let us know that you made that decision, and it'll give you a resource called a Now What book. And we have physical copies here, or you can text that number, get a digital copy. You can grab one on the way out, get them from the prayer team members. But we want to walk, walk with you on your journey following Jesus. I'm going to invite our prayer team members to the front, and I would encourage you, if you need prayer for anything, big or small, come get prayer from a prayer team member. Let's remember to be praying for our Easter services. Who's God going to ask you to bring with you to Easter services? Who's coming with you? 
Who's coming with you? We believe lives are going to be transformed and changed at our Easter services every single year they are. This year's going to be no different, and we want to see you there. Prayer team members are here to pray for any need you have. Church family, we love you so much. Have a great week serving the Lord, and we'll see you next weekend.